Picture this. A man strives day after day to make himself happy. He looks for safety in his decisions, he fights to overcome every obstacle that's in his way, and he's loved and praised by everybody around him. But deep inside, there's an emptiness in his soul. Well, does that sound familiar? Because that's the story of our lives. But there's an alternative. As Jeremy shows us today, Jesus claims to be the trustworthy good shepherd who will satisfy our souls beyond imagination. Welcome to Challenge. existed before Abraham, who had been on the scene thousands of years earlier before Jesus ever stepped foot on the earth. He claimed that he was the bread of life and that he could satisfy anybody fully. And he claimed that he was the only door to have access to God the Father. And now if you're investigating Christianity, or if you are a Christian here and you're wanting to learn more about how to you know, walk with Jesus, one of the truths that we hope that you walk away with from this series is the fact that Jesus was not unclear about who he was. And Jesus was not unclear about communicating who he was. He was very crystal about who he was, and he was very clear about communicating who he was. So when people say things like, you know, Jesus, you know, he was just a good person. Or, you know, Jesus, he was just a good teacher. Or Jesus, he was just a prophet. You can know that that is not what Jesus thought of himself. And that's not what he communicated to people. Therefore, actually, C.S. Lewis says, we can only really draw one of three conclusions about Jesus. Either he was a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he was a fat boy. If he was a liar, if he, if he, what he said about himself, he knew wasn't true, then and he can't be a good teacher, he can't be a prophet, he can't be a good person, because, you know, a liar, prophets aren't liars, they tell the truth. And a good teacher and a good person, they're not going to intentionally lead people astray. So you can't chalk them up as being you know, a good person or your teacher, you know, that was a liar, a liar, like said. Or maybe he was a lunatic. Maybe he really thought he was actually God in the flesh. He was just really mistaken. But when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at his grasp of how life works and his grasp of people and their condition, and you look at how people were amazed at his teaching, not just when he was alive, but all throughout history, and how they're incredibly helped by what he taught and how he lived, it's hard to really chop him up as a lunatic. Which leads us to our third option. Maybe he was, in fact, Lord. God in flesh, who came and lived among us to show us what he was like, and then paved the way so that we could have a restored relationship with God in heaven. So this week I want to pack a bit, a bit of another statement that Jesus made about himself, which is something he said actually in the same conversation uh, that we talked about last week, that Aaron talked about, where he said that he was the door. And it's found in John 10, 11, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now, if you're like me, the first time I ever read that statement, and if you haven't had much of a background in reading the Old Testament, you read a statement like that, and you go, oh, that's nice. You know, Jesus thought he was like a good teacher and a good guy, and then you just kind of move on. But this metaphor of being a good shepherd was not something that would have gone over the head of first century Jews when he said it. 
Because see, these people in the first century, they would have been taught from a very early age what we now call the Old Testament. And so when Jesus said, you know, that I am the good shepherd, immediately thoughts would have come to their mind of things they had heard growing up, passages from the Psalms and other things about God being a good shepherd to the Israelites. Passages like Psalm 78, 52, where it says, but he brought his people out like a flock, and he led them like sheep through the wilderness. And this passage is describing how God brought his people out of captivity of Egypt, and he led them through the wilderness, and he led them into the promised land there in Israel. Or Psalm 100, 1 through 3, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. First century Jews would have also thought about passages from Isaiah, passages from Jeremiah, passages from Ezekiel. And one in particular they probably would have thought of was from Ezekiel 34, 1 through 16. Where in the first 10 verses of this passage, I won't read all those to you, but the first 10 verses, God reviews actually the people that he appointed to be shepherds to his people because he had told them that he wanted them to be shepherds and that they were to rescue them when predators came and they were to lead the people when they got lost and they were to help them when they got hurt. But instead, they just watched out for themselves and they took advantage of them. And so you see again, in a negative example, what we said at the very beginning, the direction and quality of our lives will be determined by who or where a shepherd is. So God rebukes these shepherds and then he says this about himself in verse 11 through 16. He says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. And I will bring them from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into my, their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, and in the ravines and all the sediments of the land, and I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in a good grazing land, and there they will be fed, uh, they will be fed, fed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down in the of the Lord. I will search for the lost and bring them to back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleep and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You see, the bad shepherds had really failed to shepherd God's people, but God promised that he himself would be his people's good shepherd. That he was going to search for them, he was going to rescue them, that he was going to bind up the injured, that he was going to strengthen them, he was going to tend to them, he was going to be their good shepherd. Which is good, because of what we said before, the direction and quality of our lives will be determined by who or what the shepherd is. Then years later, shortly uh, after Jesus was born, the Magi come on the scene, you know, also known as the wise men from the east. And they came to King Herod's palace in Jerusalem, and they were asking him about where the king of the Jews, had, who had been recently born, where he was so they could go see him. And in Matthew 2, 4 through 6, it says, Gather together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he, that being Herod, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, and they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is where what has been written by the prophet. In case you want to ask the prophet Micah. And it says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth the ruler who will, be, uh, who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
So you see, the Jews of Jesus' day, they not only had a great history and expectation of God being a good shepherd, but they also were expecting a ruler to be coming that was going to act on God's behalf that was going to lead his people and shepherd them and ultimately deliver them. What they didn't know was actually going to be God's son. So it's all this rich history and this expectation as a backdrop. Jesus has sort of a mic drop moment when he stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. I don't know if you guys you know, are familiar with, with rap from about you know, 15, 20 years ago when you were a little younger, but you ever listen to Eminem? You know, listen to a little bit of him in college, stuff like that. But he had one song where he would say, you know, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? And this is kind of like, you know, Jesus' moment where it's like all these bad shepherds, these imposter shepherds, and like Jesus stands up among them and says, I'm the good shepherd. And everybody goes, oh, yeah. And then Jesus expands on what he means by this in John 10, 11 through 18. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What he's saying is foreshadowing, guys, I'm going to be dying for you guys on the cross, and I'm going to be dying for you so that your sins can be paid for, and that you can be free from the bondage of Satan. And then he goes on and says, he who is a hired man and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches him and scatters him. He flees because he's a hired man, and he's not concerned about the sheep. You know, hired hands always stick around as long as things are going well. And then when it's not, they're out of it. But he says, that's not me. He says, I am a good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. If any of you guys here, by the way, are not of Jewish ethnicity, and you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the other flock that he's talking about here. That's me included, you know. So thank God for that, because Jesus' intention was never just to be a shepherd to the Jews. His intention was to be a shepherd to anyone that decided to follow him. And he goes on, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one's taken it away from me, but I lay down my own initiative. Isn't that kind of funny? The people that thought they were so in control. And God was playing them like a fiddle. He's like, he wasn't really good. He knew exactly what he was doing. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. The direction and quality of our life will be determined by who or what our shepherd is. And Jesus said he is the good shepherd who laid down his life to take it up again. So the direction and quality of our lives can be changed for the better and actually changed for better. If we choose to listen and respond to his voice. However, as you guys probably know, not everyone chooses to listen and respond to the voice of the good shepherd. Instead, we're often tempted to be guided by a lot of different bad shepherds that can lead us down different paths. Shepherds that promise a lot but really can't deliver what they say. Even those that have chosen to follow Jesus, like myself, you know, we can be tempted to be led by different bad shepherds at different times. Now, obviously, there are some people, like physical people, that could be bad shepherds, and we ought to stay away from those people. You know, people that are going to lead you away from walking Jesus, yet yeah, avoid those people. Don't be led by them. But what I want to talk to you about tonight a little bit are those more deceiving shepherds. Those shepherds that are kind of invisible because they're actually ideas and ways of living 
that can guide us down a certain path, but they don't need to be abundant life. They actually end up leading to a life of destruction. So a question I have for you, what, what are some of the bad shepherds you're tempted to be guided by other than you? Think about that. You know, for some of you guys, maybe it's money. For others, maybe it's fame or comfort or fun. I mean, it can be any number of things. Well, I'm going to share with you three bad shepherds I tend to, be, I tend to struggle with being guided by. Maybe these are on your list, and that, that might begin to you know, drive your mind for the ones that you might have. For me, one of the first is the bad shepherd of certainty. You know, the way I'm wired, anything I'm doing or interested in, I love to learn about as much information about that as I can. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy, like, when I read through the manual of my car to, like, learn how the different features of my car work. So I'm like, oh, there's a secret trash compartment here? You know, I'm doing all this kind of stuff. Like, it is my minivan, you see. Like, what a lame bad thing to do. But it's like, you know, it's interesting to me. And a statement I often make to any of the guys I disciple, they can attest to this, is a statement I tell them a lot of times, is facts are your friends. You know, facts are your friends. So it's good to get the facts. It's good to gain knowledge about stuff. And a part of my wiring is also, is, as I'm fairly risk adverse, you know, I, I, I love a good adventure. I just like to know where that adventure is going to end up. <laughs> you know? True. I've never, I've never skied, probably never will. I've never bungee jumped, probably never will. I'm more of like a sit on an inner tube and go down the side of a hill with snow kind of a guy, you know. I don't invest in like risky stocks. I'm more of like a conservative mutual fund kind of guy. That's just kind of, that's my, my natural bend, my personality. But if I'm not careful, I can get stuck in the paralysis of analysis when it comes to moving forward in life because of the uncertainty of how I think it's going to turn out. Now, wanting to know information and gather facts and be as certain as I can about my choices, that's not a bad thing. It's actually pretty wise. But even on my best day, I'm only going to know things in part. I'm only going to know things to a degree. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says it this way. It says, now we see, talking about this life, now we see but poor reflection in the mirror. Then, talking about when we're with Jesus in heaven, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So you see, certainty is a bad shepherd to follow because we will never have it completely in this life. God doesn't give us a specific blueprint to follow for every step of our life. Instead, he gives us himself, and he gives us his word, and he gives us a community of believers to help us. But he doesn't give us absolute certainty, so that's a bad shepherd to follow. A second bad shepherd I'm tempted to be guided by is the shepherd of envy. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this. But when I see someone who's a good communicator, I want to be a better one. When I see someone who's in shape, I want to be a better one. Obviously not working out very much. Anymore. And when I see someone who has a certain level of influence or comfort, I want that more. And if I'm not careful, what can drive me to excel is envy rather than the desire to really glorify God and be a blessing to people. And the moment I let envy creep into my life, I make other people's story my shepherd rather than Jesus. And let me say that again, guys, that, that's true for you too. The moment I let envy come into my life, I let other people's story become my shepherd rather than Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with learning from other people, and there's nothing wrong with having other people be soundboards for different areas of your life. But if you let envy be your shepherd, you're going to end up arrogant, you're going to end up critical, 
We're going to end up depressed every single time. That's a bad shepherd. And then the third shepherd I'm tempted to be guided by is a shepherd of people's approval. Anyone relate to that? Amen. Struggle with people's approval? <laughs> if not, how can you struggle with wine? You know? Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but for me, this, this is, I should give you an insight into the way I think. For me, it, I sometimes can be tempted to think if everybody, you know, is happy with me and pleased with what I'm doing, then I'm probably on and maybe even say occasional good things about me, then maybe I'm on the right track for what I should be doing with my life. And not only that, but isn't it true that the approval of people is kind of like an addictive drug? Sometimes the only thing you're left with after the approval of people is a thirst and desire for more people. But then I read verses like Proverbs 29, 25, where it says the fear of man, which is just another way of saying, you know, a desire to be a people pleaser to seek their approval. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And then I realized that not only is the approval of people a bad indicator of whether I'm doing well in life, but it actually could end up being a snare, causing me harm. That doesn't mean I shouldn't go around you know, try to stick it to the man at any point and be like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do whatever I want. You know, that's done. You know, but it does mean I don't look to people's approval as my shepherd. I don't look, I look to the good shepherd's approval instead, and I'm living my life with the hope that at the end of it, I hear from the good shepherd, well done, being a faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. What we see in the Bible and we see in life is that if our ultimate shepherd is anything other than Jesus himself, that that shepherd will eventually steal our joy, will leave us wounded, and will eventually take our life. Jesus said this way in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, and to kill, and destroy. But I, I the good shepherd, I have come that they might have life, and have it abundantly. So you see, again, the direction and quality of our lives will be determined by who or what our shepherd is. If we want an abundant life, a life without lack, then we have to decide to really follow Jesus as our shepherd because he's the only good shepherd. So how do you know if you're following the good shepherd? What are some of the indicators to look for or maybe to look forward to to know, am I actually following the good shepherd or am I following you know, some, some other shepherd? Well, let me give you three indicators to look for. And these, these are not by any means, you know, all-encompassing, but these are definitely, if you are following the Good Shepherd, these will be true of your life. First is this. His voice will become more familiar as you learn to listen to him and obey him. His voice will become more familiar as you learn to listen to him and obey him. Like we read earlier, Jesus said, in John 10, 14 through 15, says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And how good did the Father and the Son know each other? Pretty well, you know, and not just in like an informational way. I mean, they, they knew each other that way, but they knew each other in a deep, experiential way, and that's the same way that the good shepherd knows his sheep and the way he wants his sheep to know him. So much so that as we learn to recognize his voice, we follow him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, and a little bit later, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. 
and follow them. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing to better become familiar with his voice? What are you doing to better become familiar with his voice? If the answer is nothing, it's probably not your shape. Or if the answer is, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything, but I'm pretty sure that if I heard his voice, I would, I'd really recognize it. Well, I would humbly suggest that you're probably following someone that probably ain't Jesus, you know, because recognizing his voice, that's a learned skill. That's not something you just intuit. And you see, what you see is as you begin to get time in God's word, as you begin to read and meditate on, as you begin to listen to God through prayer, and you do these things by yourself, you do them in groups, you do them with mentors who have been walking just a little further, that as you do that, you begin to learn God's ways and you begin to learn how he thinks so that you can begin to better recognize if something you're thinking or something you're hearing is actually from God or if that's from something else altogether. Just like I did with these bad shepherd examples, began to distinguish What's the bad shepherd speaking? What's, what's God actually saying about that? Then the second question I ask for you is, are you obeying the shepherd and what he said? Are you obeying the shepherd and what he said? And if so, how? Because see, it's, it's not enough to recognize the voice of the good shepherd. It's not, not, just, not enough to even be a fan of the good shepherd and like the good shepherd. The abundant life that Jesus promises in John 10, 10 comes to those who are led by and follow the good shepherd. They actually obey what he says. And incidentally, as you obey and you'll begin to learn better his ways. And as you learn better his ways, you begin to better recognize his voice. And the cycle continues. Which is why hearing his voice and obeying are so, and following are so tied together. So indicator number one that we're following the good shepherd is his voice will become more familiar as we learn to listen to it and obey it. The second indicator is you will begin to experience peace and joy and contentment, regardless of the circumstances of your life. You'll begin to experience peace and joy and contentment in life, regardless of your circumstances. I think one of my favorite psalms, probably, probably my favorite psalm, actually, uh, in the Bible, uh, is Psalm 23, which actually also is a psalm about God being our shepherd. And for time's sake, I won't walk through all the psalms tonight, but I'd encourage you, Read that psalm, you know. Get it in your mind, get it in your heart. Begin to study that psalm. And if you ever want to read a book that goes more into depth on explaining about this psalm, get the book Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. It's a great book that expands more on what life of Psalm 23 is all about. But this psalm, it's full of just beautiful, rich metaphors of what actually a life looks like where the Lord is your shepherd. And the whole, you know, psalm hinges on the truth of this very first verse that we'll see up here on the screen. You know, psalm 23, 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, as you're reading that, that is not a sentence with two independent statements that are unrelated. The reason the second statement even exists is because of the first. The reason the psalmist can say, or even I can ever say, I shall not want, is because the Lord is my shepherd. See, when the Lord is my shepherd, what that means is I'm in his care. I'm not the one in charge. 
I've taken my life, I've taken my kingdom, and I've surrendered it over to his kingdom. And I'm now living the with God life in his care. And so the natural result of that is, I shall not want it. I won't like anything I need because the good shepherd can take care of me. That's what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 33, when he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. So I don't have to work about it, and you don't have to worry about it, if, in fact, you're following the good shepherd. Even when circumstances get really tough, I mean, and they can at times, you know, people get sick, loved ones die, finances get tight, classes feel overwhelming, but even in those situations, you can actually be perfectly at peace and experience a real joy and contentment if the Lord actually is indeed your shepherd. Something you see in the Bible, and even, even in non-biblical writings, is what determines our feelings oftentimes uh, and what we tend to do comes out of what we choose to occupy our minds with. So I've memorized Psalm 23, and oftentimes, from time to time, in my kind of scripture review system, I'll, I'll review the whole psalm. But one of the things I try to do on a daily basis, if not multiple times a day, is just say to myself, a very quiet psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be able to So when I'm tempted to be, you know, to envy, I remind myself, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be able to You know, I don't need all the blessings of all these other people, because I've got the blessed of those blessings as my good shepherd. So the word of my shepherd shall not be in one. But when I'm tempted to worry or be fearful of a person or maybe the future, or maybe an anxiety attack is coming on, I will say to myself, literally out loud, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. And God, you, you make me lie down in green pasture. You lead me beside quiet water. You restore my soul. And so even when I'm going through something really rough, even when it seems like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are more powerful than you will be with Because you're my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, regardless of what I'm going through, I can know that his goodness and loving kindness are going to follow me all the days of my life. Just like the psalm says. And he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And so I'm able to relax. And I'm able to really experience real peace and joy and contentment regardless of the circumstances of my life. So if that sounds like an appealing thing to you, let him be your good shepherd. You know, follow him. Or if you think, you know, that's not been my experience, I encourage you, figure out, are you actually following a good shepherd? Or are you just a family good shepherd? But the direction and quality of our lives will be determined by who or what is our shepherd. So one of the indicators of your following good shepherd, one, is what's become more familiar as you learn to listen to and obey it. Two, you will experience real peace and joy and contentment in life, regardless of circumstances. And then the third indicator, I'd say, albeit, again, not the only indicator, is you will begin to help other sheep enter the flock and help take care of them. You'll begin to help other sheep enter the flock and help take care of them. Now, part, part of the funny thing, the sort of the only thing about this, this last one, is we all know that the Good Shepherd can do is far better than any of us. You know, like none of us can help people into the flock or help take care of them better than we can. In fact, we can't even do it without him. You know, but it's something he's doing and he wants us to be a part of it. 
You know, for God, every day is kind of like a bring your kid to work day. You know, like, come on, like, staple the paper, you know, good job, you know, I mean, like, like, he can totally do it by himself. But for whatever reason, he loves to work through his sheep, to reach other sheep and to help them grow. And if we love the good shepherd, we'll want to do that too. You see this in a conversation with Jesus and his disciple Peter when they're having breakfast in John 21. And three times Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says yes. And then three times Jesus said, well, then show it, prove it by taking care of my sheep. And you see this in Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends back up into heaven in Matthew 28, where he basically tells them, he says, as my disciples, you know, we could say, as my sheep, you know, I want you to go in all the nations, and I want you to make more disciples of me. That way he says, I want you to get more sheep and bring them to the flock, my sheep. And I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You know, I want you to take care of them. And, and what that's going to involve, that's going to involve a lot of stuff, guys. It's going to involve getting involved in their life, getting them in the Word, helping them with their problems, protecting them from powerful ways of living, modeling the way, you know, feeding them, helping them grow up and maturing. But that's a part of the process that we get to be a part of, and we're probably a part of as his sheep. So if we're following the Good Shepherd, we will begin to help other sheep near the flock and help take care of them. And if we do, not only will we be a part of forever changing people's lives, but as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 4, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, the chief shepherd, when he appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, I don't know what the unfading crown of glory fully is, but it sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never got anything from Jesus that I thought was second rate. But the direction and quality of our lives will be determined by who or what our shepherd is. So follow the good shepherd. And if you don't know how, ask. But your life will be better if you do. Let me pray for us. And my dad, my dad. Father, thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you, God, for not leaving us uh, purely in the hands of ourselves or a poor shepherd that uh, don't have our best in the heart, just hire me. And God, thank you that as a result of you being our good shepherd, we have nothing. This world is a perfectly safe place to be if you're our good shepherd. And so God, I pray that we wouldn't fool ourselves if we're not actually following you as our shepherd. And God, we would see why following you is such a great idea and why our life would forever be a change of result. And God, thank you for allowing us as your sheep to be guided by you. Thank you for what you protect and take care of us. Help us to not only follow you, but to join you in what you do and help other people step into the, the fold of the sheep, helping them grow with God. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms like the one you're listening on right now, or if you're looking for alternatives, Spotify and Apple Music both work. This episode was recorded live on a Thursday night gathering at the University of Southern California, and we'd love for you to join us if you're in the area. So get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.